sitting here with somebody I consider to be a friend. Back in 2001, I started to document the blues and I met this young musician. He was young then. Um, <clears throat> a lot younger now. <laughs> much younger now. Um, who gave me an insight into what it was like to be a blues musician in Canada trying to make it. And his insights meant a lot to me because I got to know him as a friend and that allowed me access into, I guess, the more the bigger reality of being in the blues scene in Canada. And the person is David Rotundo. Thanks for being here. My pleasure, Marco. <laughs> I love your introduction. I consider you a friend, too. I know we've, we've uh, we started this business together, if you want to call it that. And uh, I know we've uh, experienced a lot of things along the road to, uh, together or simultaneously. Yeah, there is that, what is it, synchronicity or something? I mean, I feel that. I yeah. feel like we just started... I'm not sure, I think you're way ahead of where I was at, but when I first started this whole project, I didn't know anything, and, and you were, at that point, um, the harmonica player for Jack the Kaiser's band. Yeah, but I see just as you, I was just starting out the same. I, I saw maybe a set on, on uh, equal playing fields, honestly. We were both very green in, in, yeah, in, yeah. In, the, in the industry or in the world or whatever you want to call it, yeah. So what the heck happened to me? No, I'm sorry. What the heck happened to me? I don't know. <laughs> we're both more unknown than we were then. <laughs> but the thing was, at that point, you had, you had played with Jack, and there was something about your stage presence that immediately caught my eye. And I thought, well, there's a guy who enjoys what he does. But along the way, you also told me that you were interested in starting your own band. And, and you did. And mm -hmm. within two years, I think you got the best new artist, um, the Maple Blues Best New Artist Award, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And I got to see along the way that, that transformation. And, and So I guess we'll start with how you first got into the blues. I know it's a topic we've discussed many times before, but... But that's fine. I don't mind going again. It, it was, um, it, you know, really looking back at it now, you could always say there's moments here and moments there, but it was, uh, it was almost an odyssey. It, it was an odyssey right from the beginning. It was... Uh, my my life from a from a from a kid from a um, to going through the disciplines of being in the tennis world to that dream being shattered to <laughs> leading me to bars that uh, that I found comfort listening to blues to still not knowing that I was going to play blues or how important blues was to eventually being at a James Cotton show that I talked about many times where this guy was playing the harmonica. I know I've heard harmonica before uh, many times on records or people playing it. I used to see Jerome Godbu in the Phantoms and I saw him playing harmonica. And, but when James Cotton was playing that night, it was like a direct sledgehammer <laughs> over my head or a, a uh, arrow to the heart you know, that just was delivered by him. And I was, it was that, that was definitely a pivotal moment that said, you must pick up this instrument. You must go buy one tomorrow. I couldn't even believe it. I had to wait for darkness to, to, to uh, finish its thing and for the sun to rise so that store can open so that I can go and buy this harmonica so I can start that part of my life. And when you started, what did it sound like? Terrible. <laughs> it's just like, a, like I said many times, that note that he played that really affected me was nowhere to be found on the harmonica to the point where I raced back to the store to say, I got to buy a different one because maybe it's on a different harmonica. And I realized, wow, it's, uh, it's some hidden 
thing that I'm gonna have to search for to find that that note and uh, and then that then hence that begun this uh, okay I'm on this forever search for this dark note or this <laughs> deep note that says everything have you and, found it you know I play it every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> no I mean was there a moment and it's probably been from years later but was there a moment where you you felt like you hit that note or you found that note? yeah yeah then then you know then you start you know woodshedding for <clears throat> for hours and then you start you start dancing around that that sort of that fire that's got those notes you start going wow okay this feels good and and uh wow i'm able to express things because i'm i'm learning a vernacular or a vocabulary so that you know was uh the important thing about about him instrument about you know why do people play an instrument why do you pick an instrument you want to emote something you want to say something so um learning the vernacular of the harmonica and learning about all those uh those great harmonica players um started giving me the vocabulary and then yeah you start to going oh wow that was a note that was very similar and so at what point was it i want to learn how to play this to i want to be james cotton hmm. Yeah. Well, so it was never so much like I wanted to be James Cotton, but I thought this could be an interesting way to navigate myself through this existence. <laughs> because I was thinking, you know, I was, you know, I was chasing the tennis dream. I was uh, doing other things for employment, like construction. And, uh, and uh, I, I was never, never liked uh, the uh, academic side of, of education. Like I never saw myself sitting in a classroom so I thought, okay, I'm gonna have to get creative and find a way to um, to uh, say something with my life. And harmonica seemed to be uh, a decent uh, voice. But did you think you could make a living doing that? Um, I thought uh, I heard many people say, "Forget it, you'll never make a living doing that." You know, like this is this is not a living, no matter what you do. <laughs> right. So just get that out of your head. And I always thought that that was crazy. I thought I can, you know, I thought one can make a living doing whatever one wants. So that was never an issue. I was like, no problem. Okay, that's their obtuse way of looking at things. I will definitely make a living if I want to pursue this. You were I driven back then. Pardon? You were driven. Yeah, and I consider myself still driven. Like that hopefully doesn't go away. But, you know, sometimes you have to change vehicles or something like that. But... I definitely wasn't swayed by that. There was no kind of like, oh, I've chosen something again that is not going to come to fruition. I thought, no, 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 I'll, I'll be able to, I just have to figure out a way to do it and I have to work hard and, 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 and learn it. And, and um, yeah. Was there anybody back then, was there anybody that you seeked advice from or who gave you advice that maybe you gave you comfort in the, the, the path that you chose? Um. I think there was a lot of advice along the 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 way, you know, little, little tidbits, you know, somebody suggested and his name is Gary Kendall, you know, that you should uh, not maybe just be a harmonica player, you should sing too. And um, I didn't think of myself as a singer and, and though I, I I clung to that piece of, uh, of, I don't know if you'd call it knowledge or that little... Uh, piece of advice I said wow okay that's interesting yeah because yeah I could do two things at once <laughs> you know I mean, maybe it's better if I do two as opposed to just being a harmonica player and having to wait for someone to call me for gigs maybe I should try to be the captain of this ship too 
and uh, whether I was um, capable of it or not, um, I saw that was a good suggestion. So that was definitely a good suggestion. Can we can we just go back a few years to the tennis pursuit? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that and and how good were you and what did that mean? Like um, how realistic was the tennis future? Well, it was uh, something that I started later in life, like uh, thirteen or fourteen years old. I started playing tennis and I. I don't know, it just entered my life and I wanted to do it, but I quickly realized, oh boy, you know, these people start this at, at the age of five, you know, like these guys are already, I start, you know, meeting and people that were already playing um, organized tournaments and events and doing very well in them. And I was just starting. So I started late, but um, my desire and my will um, and my sort of work ethic, I... I, I put myself through the, 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 I laid myself over the grill and I made myself play or I, I played for like six hours a day and worked very hard and was very disciplined and very focused. So I gained a lot of ground, but then, um, I, I quickly realized that maybe it wasn't, um, for me, it wasn't for me because I wasn't going to make the grade really. Mm-hmm. I went to Europe. I played some professional tournaments there. I got destroyed. I got, you know, um, I, I got my ass kicked bad, you know, it was, and, and, and it was good though. Like I, I, I didn't, I didn't take it as like, Oh my goodness, I'm a loser. But I was like, wow. Oh my goodness. These guys are, there's some serious talent out here and this is a big ocean. And I thought I'm not going to cut, cut it in this. Like I did start too late. Uh, I'll, I'll give myself that as an excuse. I'll say maybe I started too late and I, wouldn't be able to make up the ground. Um, I mean, does it just seem like they were in a totally different league than you were? Oh, yeah, these guys. I mean, I wasn't close to their, their level. And I thought, okay, so now I'm, I'm eight, 19 years old at that point, And I'm thinking, I, I don't have enough time to make up the ground here. I was just sort of being realistic mm-hmm. with myself, really. Was that a difficult realization? Um, for some reason, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I thought it'd be worse. You know, like what happened was, uh, long story short, which was, was a cool story, is I went and I, my first tournament was in France and I was very disciplined and I, and I played the, the match and this guy just destroyed me within minutes. I mean, I was like off the court on the sidelines going, oh my goodness, what happened? That wasn't the greatest start, you know what I mean? But whatever. And about, and, and the, the big realization to me was because a half an hour later, <clears throat> my friend that I was traveling with, uh, it was my greatest friend at the time, still is, Arlen, he, he pointed, he goes, hey, that guy sitting at the bar who's drinking and smoking, isn't that the guy that beat you? <laughs> and that was like, that was shocking because I was looking at him going, I'm here stretching, going to bed early, <laughs> re- refuse to have an alcoholic beverage or a smoke while I'm in this profession. And this guy destroyed me. And he's over at the bar sitting, drinking and smoking. And I thought, that, tells, that told me a lot, Mako. That told me a lot, I got to say. That was like a slap and like both made... Tsh, 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 tsh. Here, here's some more slaps. Like, are you ready for this? That's the reality. And I thought, okay, I better, I better think about something else. That's when you started drinking and smoking. That's right. Yeah, I said, yeah. let's start with drinking and smoking. <laughs> Do what he does. <laughs> yeah. So then you started searching for... Whatever. And then at what point did you think music was a reality? Then, no, then my life was just up in the air. And I was just, uh, I was just a fan of sort of, uh, 
of learning, if you you know, or enlightenment, if you call it that. I just I was always a fan of knowledge and um, experience and things like that. So I was just thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to bide my time and wait for lightning to strike. I, <laughs> hopefully, lightning will strike. I'll just you know do some odd and end jobs, try to keep myself afloat. Um, but I wasn't very, I wasn't a big fan of employment for mm. the sake of money. Right. Um, but I was a big fan of work. I loved work, but I, I didn't like employment. <laughs> if, if that makes things uh, clear, I, I remember going like, I'm no vice president, so I'm not going to just work for someone just for the sake of making money. So I, I, I basically, uh, I did employment for the sake of money to make as little as possible just to survive right. so that I could spend my, the rest of my time doing other things, which was, um, waiting for inspiration, <laughs> see, uh, putting myself in places where I could be inspired. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Really? That's the way I would navigate. But what would, I give like, me an example of that. What would be a place that you could be inspired? Um, at the time, Kensington Market, the bars in Kensington Market were inspirational because there was a lot of artists hanging around them. And I was like, okay, if I could put myself in that environment, maybe something inspirational could happen. So I was there. I was, I was uh, going out to... It, it was inspiring for me to listen to live music. I was inspired by that. I didn't really think that... Uh, I didn't see it yet, but it, it really motivated. Like, it really inspired me. It really made me feel good. Mm-hmm. I was already in the... <laughs> in the, uh, the philosophy of, uh, feeling good. Like if you feel good, you're close to the answer. If you don't feel good, you're far from the answer. Type well, thing. there's something to be said about that. Right. You know, so it was like, if, if I don't feel good doing this, I didn't, who cares what kind of money I'm making or what other people think of me? I didn't feel good. So I would, I, uh, I felt good going to listen to blues and then, and, but I didn't think that, uh, that was going to be my next vocation or my next, uh, suit of armor so to speak. <clears throat> but then when I heard Cotton and I thought, well, maybe I should, you know, I should uh, try to try to get on stage. That was, that became the goal all of a sudden. May, okay. I, I'm going to need to, if this is going to be my life, I'm going to need to make money at it, you know, while doing it. Maybe I can marry the two because I like doing it and I'm, I can make some money at it. And, and then I tried to, to marry the two and then it yeah became like a job and and my passion at the same time. And then hence that leads into something totally different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So from the moment that you heard that note and you said, I need to learn that note. And, and I presume years of going after that note and learning how to play. At what point did you decide that I'm going to get on stage and do this? Hmm. How long did it take from, from the James Cotton Incident. Uh, James Cotton incident. Uh, it was about uh, not too long after. It was like in 91, 92, and then uh, 97, I believe, I did my first show. I did my first gig, actual gig. Um, but uh, I remember kicking and screaming to get me on stage. I did not feel comfortable with that notion. <clears throat> Yet there was a, there were, there, I, I realized that quickly after I realized, but wait a minute, there's some sort of threshold that happened to me when I would walk on stage, I would just completely become a different person. And it wasn't conscious. It wasn't a conscious thing. It would just, as soon as the music happened, as soon as I was on that stage, I felt absolutely untouchable. From the very beginning? From the very beginning. Right. Uh, to the point where I, I, I went on stage, I did that show and I came off and I said, what the hell happened? Like I almost like I blacked out or something. I said like people, I, I, I was asking people like, 
was that good? What happened? Like, was it, was it like, and we were like, what are you talking about? You know, it seemed like a surreal question, but I was honest. I, I don't really remember what happened. And I think it's also difficult for you to be up there doing it and, and seeing how other people see you or hear you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And oftentimes, when I used to shoot a lot of video, people would look at it and go, "Oh, that's what I look like on stage," because you have the, you don't have that perspective. Absolutely, because before <laughs> I, I I got into tennis, I I used to lock myself in uh, in a room and and draw, and and that was my first actual pr- pursuit. Was uh, I don't know? I had many lives. Wow, man. Thinking, looking back, sorry, I'm getting retrospective. Now. It's like I started. <laughs> no, really, you I should start, though. I started playing. I started playing hockey. Like that was my first thing. It was like I, I was into hockey because my my father just put me on skates in the backyard. He used to make an ice rink, and I. <clears throat> so it was it was hockey. But then then um, after that was this whole other thing. It was like I I couldn't pursue that because I was too small. Yet for some reason I I ended up being like you know the captain on these teams and these guys had beards and I was like 13 years old and I was like what the hell is going on here I mean like I went to the body checking days and I was like this is not going to work for me <laughs> you know these guys are like got beards they're six feet tall I'm like four foot nothing and uh, <laughs> and yet I'm I don't know like I'm, I'm the captain these guys are like I'm I'm scoring goals and stuff like that but I just it it wasn't going to work out for me so then I started um I got into art. And, and I'm going to tie this in with, with music because with art, you know, when you're, when you're in the painting and you have your, your, your pencil or your brush on the canvas, you're literally in the painting and your perspective is kind of askewed. And every once in a while, you would have to, you know, I did, and I'm just assuming every other artist does, and I'm sure they do, is, is you drop the pencil, you drop the, uh, uh, the paintbrush, and you walk back to get a perspective. So you zoom out right. and you look and then you start noticing things. Oh, that's off. Oh, this needs this. Oh, that. What am I doing there? And then you go back in and you touch it and you get in the area and you, and then you zoom out and you, you do that, you know, you do that maybe, you know, however many times you, you feel you need to do that to get the right perspective. And I started seeing that as, um, uh, with on the stage, I would be in, in the canvas and I wouldn't have that perspective. So, um, I lost, I, I, you know, I, I felt like maybe that I would lose that on stage mm-hmm. yet. It didn't really matter. Maybe, I don't know <laughs> because it was, it is what it is. You can't be both. I, what I remember is just the sheer joy that you seem to have on stage that you just exuded this thing that, and I don't know if it was, I don't know what, you know, you had this it factor. There was something about you on stage when, when you came on, um, and I'm not just trying to suck up to you right now because you're here, okay. but but I, you know I remember like your CD release party, the very oh. first one with Enrico and with Pete mm-hmm. and Shane at the Silver Dollar, and it was a, a magical night. It was like a, a a night like very few others that I've ever witnessed at the Silver Dollar. Um, but it was just pure passion and joy of being on stage. Yeah, where does that come from? That again, that I, uh, I'd have to attribute it to, to two factors. Obviously, something that uh, resonates with inside me. But that that stage, I really look at the stage honestly now I, I, to verbalize it. And I don't want to jinx it in any way because I, it's sacred ground to me. It's very sacred ground. I take that stage extremely seriously because um, it, I believe it was Shakespeare who said it. I know Ray Manzarek quoted it for the, for the doors uh, and Jim Morrison and guys like that. But the stage is a place where you hide yourself and reveal yourself at the same time. Mm-hmm. And 
I love the wisdom in that. And I know that that's what happens to me every time I get on stage. And I hope it continues to happen because it's such a special place for me. I believe I'm probably closest to myself on that stage. Take, take it or leave it, you know, good or bad. That is really who I am. And because I just open and I'm just throwing everything to the wind. And this is what you get. And this is how I feel. And this is, uh, and it's sort of, uh, like I said, it is a sort of threshold. It is this invisible boundary that, that comforts me. That's like, no one can touch me now because <laughs> I'm hired to be here for this three hours that I could do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> and hopefully people dig it, but this is the way it's going to be. Right. I'm going to do whatever I want now. And at what, I, think, I mean, you said from the very beginning you, you felt that, but did you feel like you were totally in control from the very beginning? Or at what point did you think, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I, I get this. I know what I'm doing up here. Ah, right. That, that's, a good, that's a great question. It, it, you know, and again, whether I was being conscious of it or not, I was like, I am, maybe I am in control, but I'm not. So you, you're, you're, you're balancing things. It was... Um, you are and you aren't. There's got to be that sort of paradox. Uh, it, to be, Bruce Lee said it best about art, if, I, if, if you will indulge me for two seconds on this. Um, he, uh, he talked about his martial arts and, and people were saying, it's, it's an art. And he said, yes, it's an art form. And he said, look, I could be cocky and just th start throwing some punches here and knock you down or do whatever I want. And he said, but that's not, that's not it. That's, that's not what you do it for. So example, like I could be cocky and just start playing some notes and, and dazzle you with some sort of proficiency. That has, that's not uh, the, the premise. He said, we have two sides of the brain. The right side, which wants to, uh, to be creative and, and do th you know, things and get out there. And the left side, which wants to have order and discipline. And uh, if you only listen to one side, well, then you'll only be an out of control nut because you want this creativity. If you only listen to the right, the, the left side, then you want nothing but order. You can be very robotic. And so both of them on their own are kind of like islands and they're not good to each other unless they come together. Mm -hmm. And he said so much. He said to, to marry those two sides of the brain with sincerity, then you have art. So I like the way he really emphasized with the sincerity, because really that's the most you can offer to try to be sincere with these two sides of the brain that are probably at war, mm -hmm. <laughs> the yin and yang, you know, they one wants order, one doesn't. Well, that's already kind of like shady there, but how can you get these guys to sort of dance together? But was there a moment in your performing career that you, you realized that that is the case and and that you had to apply that to what you put out there on stage. Like, it's, it's one thing to read it, but, I mean, it's also another thing to accept that and, and go up there and, and either have a great gig that made you realize or have a horrible gig that made you realize that split. Mm -hmm. I, I maybe didn't give it so much conscious thought back then. I do a little more now, but I... I think I did realize back then, you know, like, like anything, like any job, like it, there's, there's a, a lot of hard work that goes into it, a lot of consciousness. And then hopefully there's some room for, for feeling because feelings just come and go. You can't just predict, you know, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't anticipate a feeling. You can't anticipate when you're going to cry next or when you're going to really, truly, sincerely uh, laugh next or feel great. These feelings, I mean, they're almost kind of like, 
you know, it's a, again, it's, a, it's almost kind of like some sort of unfair trick that someone's playing on us. Like, why do I all of a sudden feel bad now? Where did this come from? You know, why do I all of a sudden feel morose? Why do I all of a sudden feel great? You know, it's just kind of like, I have no control over this at all. Like, you know, or do I, or do I not? So <clears throat> there's that. And then, um, but the thing I can think I can control is how much work I put into it and how much effort I put into it. Right. So, so I, I was putting a lot of attention on that and then saying, um, I'll just get myself onto that stage and now I can drop all that. So to me, I was, I was looking at it that way, uh, Mako, if I could really describe it best. I was like, I'm going to work my ass off off stage to get as many things in place so that when I go on stage, I don't have to think about anything anymore. Right. <laughs> I could just be, try to be an open conduit and the discipline will be there in a different way. So even, even the, the moments that seem to be uh, happening accidentally or, 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 or um, instantaneously, they also have a, a discipline behind them, mm -hmm. that, if that makes yeah, any sense. That does make sense. Um, so when we go back to the first time, well, the, the, the early days of our meeting, and you had this ambition to become a, a leader of your own band, can you tell me how whatever you, whatever that ambition was and what you thought you were hoping to get, did you reach that in the end? Like, were you able to get to what you thought you would want to do from stepping out of being a, a sideman to becoming uh, Rotundo, the band leader? Right, right. Um, yes, definitely. There were, there were um, like, we, uh, I think we all kind of set little goals and little, like, hey, I'd like to do this. I'd like to accomplish that. I'd like to have a CD. I'd like to, um, you know, play this festival or that festival. I'd like to go here. I'd like to go there. I'd like to expand. So definitely, uh, I mean, the reason I did it again, you know, I, I said this before, I was no vice president. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like having to take orders from someone. Mm-hmm good or bad not that i also wanted to be a dictator or something like that i definitely didn't want that you know or run a regime you know what i mean like you got to do it my way or no way but i certainly wanted to be steering the ship right um so that's what i learned by being a sideman so i was like well this is nice and and, and it was you know very you know a very good position man i i almost to the point now knowing what i do driving the ship and having the captain the ship and the crew I almost envy being a sideman. I mean, sideman was a great gig. It was like, wow, just show up and, hey, what key are we in? You know what I mean? Uh, tell me what to do. I'll do it. You know, Th there's a lot of responsibility caused with the boss. Come comes with uh, sort of being a boss of a of a of a little organization or a ship or something like that. So, um, but I did I did feel that okay, I, I I've gotten somewhere with this. Um, I've seen a, a lot of, I've got a lot of, you know, battle wounds and I got also a lot of, uh, sort of rewarded, uh, uh, rewards and things like that. But I, as people know now, I have receded again <laughs> because I wanted to step back and look at the painting and see how I could, uh, make some, some perspective changes. Can we talk about that? The, the stepping back? Cause mm -hmm. there was a point where you would just going full steam ahead and working your ass off and you, you know you traveled all over the place you did tours in russia you went to Italy, yeah i was doing europe a lot europe. i was doing yeah russia i was doing yeah. south america yeah and then all of a sudden it seemed to have stopped 
Can we talk about that? Yeah, then Canada, then I was like, I was driving back and forth Canada. You know, yeah, we could talk about that, sure. So when you were doing all that, is it one, was it what you thought it would be? And then two, was there a point where you thought, I need to, sorry, what was the point where you thought I need to step back and do something or to reflect? Um, because I was in the, <laughs> because what I thought I was in the feeling, uh, in the business of feeling good. That's my business. I'm mm -hmm. in the business of feeling good and people around me feeling good. I wasn't feeling good anymore. Um, Do you so know I was why like, you weren't feeling good? Yeah, I know why I wasn't feeling good. I was, I was, I was um, pushing very hard, overextending myself, uh, being in, you know, Dostoevsky said environment is the root of all evil or all good. I was in bar situations all the time. I was drinking a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, it was somewhere around there at that point that I think I watched The Last Waltz and, and Robbie Robertson talks about, you know, we're, we're packing in. We've been on the road for 16 years. It's an impossible way of life. <laughs> we're done. You know, like, <laughs> this is, you try doing it. And I was like, wow, yeah, he's right. You know, at that point, it was like uh, 10 years for me that I was going very hard. But I was going very hard before that, too, even leading up to the first time on stage. So I was... I was, um, I was extending myself. I was taxing myself. Uh, and, and you were feeling burnt out? Oh, I'm feeling burnt out. And I was, and I was feeling, um, I was feeling uh, f frail. I don't know if frail is the right word, but I was feeling like, you know what? I'm, I'm entering uh, scary territory here that if, I don't know, if I keep going, you know, I, was, you know, I knew guys about you know, like Jim Morrison's, you know, story and Janis Joplin and all these guys. And, and I, I'm not, I'm not, when I bring up these names, uh, it's not to compare something, you know, you know, but I know what cloth I'm cut from and I know who I relate with. And uh, I relate with those guys, you know, mm -hmm. when they say something, I, I say, yeah, I hear that, <laughs> you know, they're very different. You know, maybe they seem, you know, they've had more success or their, their, their world uh, names. I'm not, but uh I uh, certainly was familiar with their lifestyle and with their approach and with their their mentality and with their um, with their temperament, and I saw my temperament leading me to the same path. And I I uh, rather keep myself out of the grave <laughs> for now. Well, it's pretty good that you actually noticed that. Yeah, but I thought I'd moment? be a statistic. I thought I'd be a statistic. You know, I was doing crazy things. I was doing very crazy things that I felt. Like, uh, how many lives do I have here? Like, nine lives, eight lives, seven lives. I saw them kind of just going up on the chalkboard. And I thought, you know, again, it, it, it's, a different, it was a, it's a different playing field as those guys. But maybe not. You know, those guys did it for four years. Hendrix and those guys did it for four years. I was like, you know, I've done this for ten now. And I've, 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 I've tested faith many times. And I thought, I don't know if I could keep doing it like this. Was there a moment that you just said, I need to stop? I need to take a break? Yeah, I think it was I came back from uh, the second tour I did across Canada. And that tour was like, I mean, I, I could write a book about it, the two weeks. It was just in incredible. Like, it was like, to me, it was like the Odyssey. I was, you know, like, saying, man, did we really do that? Drive across uh, frozen highways, you know awake for 42 hours to get straight to a stage to do a sound check to to not eat to go on and open up for for sunny roads and play a show like uh, after being awake and white knuckling it for 40 hours like i mean i i yeah i remember at some points i thought i'm gonna have to go to the hospital like i i, I like somebody's gonna have to take me to the hospital after this gig because because i was so 
taxed out. I had, you know, I had nothing left. And I, and I was, and I just kept pushing and kept pushing and kept telling my body to march forward and my mind and soul, come on, do it, do it. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought if I don't pull back, who will? Like no one else is telling me to stop. They actually keep telling me to keep doing it, keep going. You know what I mean? So yeah, I started yeah. think. I started seeing maybe this is what happened to those to those guys. You know, like maybe if guys like Morrison or Hendricks uh, could have pulled back, or or you know, uh, or the, you know, those guys were. You know, I heard stories about them f- through Lee Oscar. I heard about them being taxed out and and. Uh, Jimi Hendrix having to go on tour for another year when he was burnt out and he didn't want to. He didn't want a tour, you know. And I start feeling I I don't want a tour right now. I just need a little break. Hey, I love this. I love my business. I love music. I love this inspiration. I love going out and trying to uh, uh, do something that makes me feel good and other people feel good. Are you kidding me? I love it. But if I'm injured, if I'm if I'm hurting, maybe I need to step back and and uh, take some time to myself. So what was that process like to step back? Was it, was it very, easy or was it difficult? No, it was very hard. You know, some people thought I was, you know, I don't know, maybe wimping out or didn't understand or what are you doing or you're losing it or, or you're like, uh, uh, what's the matter? You're confused. Uh, so are these fans or bandmates or um, every people? Everything, you know, some, fan, some friends, some fans. Some, you know, like, come on, you just push it a little, you know, push it a little more. Or come on, or just make a couple little tweaks. And I was like, no, I need an, I need a, a major overall. <laughs> this is like, this 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 vehicle's got a lot of issues. You know, mm-hmm. it's been banged up a lot. It takes it's going to take some time here. You know, so I'm still going I'm still going through it to to try to uh, um, uh, find a different avenue. You know, like I so I make a lot of I do a, a lot of archaeology. You know, like say I started wanting to learn about how some of these guys, because it's a high-pressured uh, industry, as anything can be, but, but, but you know, the, the, the music world and, and that idea of people showing up and all eyes on you and stuff like that, it's just kind of an kind of artificial thing, you know. It's, 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 uh, if I can go there, I mean, uh, that would be a whole other story. But <laughs> it's, uh, it can be, you know, as much as it can give you, it can also drain you. So I... And, and it, when you're on the road, you're on the road, you're in hotels, you're not eating properly, you're not sleeping properly. There's so many things working against you. And I don't think people realize yeah, what uh, the yeah. road is like. And how long your day is. I mean, your day, like I used to work construction, like, you know, well, I yeah. used to work construction with my, my father or myself and, and uh, whether it was digging digits, pouring concrete, you know, busting down houses, rebuilding them from scratch. And I'd start at six o'clock in the morning and finish at six o'clock at night and then go practice harmonica. With the music world and traveling, I was like, please, I'd rather go dig ditches and do construction all day long than this. Is, this is unbelievably taxing on, on, on your soul and on your, uh, your body and on your uh, mental. You know, you're just never rested because you're always uprooted. You're always in the air. You're always traveling. So that and then you add drinks to it you add partying you add people that are there for a good time you can't show up and uh and uh and, and and like you can't show up with piss and vinegar and say hey whatever i don't feel so, so good <laughs> um when you got off the road and realized oh my god like i'm 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 burning out or whatever and then you said you were getting flack from either fans or people in the band or whatever um, other than that, how easy was it to get off the road and, and reset? Um, 
I'm still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still doing it, but... Uh, Is it because you're now conscious of where you've been and you don't want to go back there? Is that what you mean? Yes, yes, there's that. So you, you, you start navigating, you start looking at it as a, as a, as a sort of uh, astrology. You start navigating your charts and navigating the waters, going, okay, well, I've been down that road before and I don't want to go down there you know, again because I know that that leads to... And uh, so I was talking about Flea for two seconds, you know, about him and those guys doing that. Is millions of bands have done that. It's not like I'm saying I'm the only one or, or anything like this. Uh, they've done that. They've they've learned from it. And now to fast forward, you got guys that have been through that. And Flea is going, you know, hey, if you come to a Red Hot Chili Pepper show, you're gonna find more kale and juices, you know, <laughs> high octane juices back there than you would find any alcohol or any drugs right. and he, he he said something that was very very nice very cool very respectful he said because people are paying good money to see me you know so you know i want to be in as good a shape as possible sound as good as possible be as healthy as possible as possible as positive as possible to give them a good show mm -hmm. and also for myself why do you think the alcohol was such a i mean the environment kind of allows that right and yeah. and but but it is a common problem that a lot of bands have whether it be drugs or alcohol why do you think that is such a prominent thing and and you know so many bands go through that and then they clean up and then go through the kale phase or whatever yeah. but but could they have i mean could they have done this without going through that initial phase with alcohol and drugs i think um I'm sure they could, but I, I you know, too many maybe, do. Maybe, maybe there's an old, there's an old saying. There's this, the, the teacher, the, who, who is looking at the Buddha, and he says, "Man, I could see you've, you've definitely reached enlightenment. I could see you're definitely enlightened. You're so calm and balanced, and you got it all going on. And you do your practice, and, and I know that if I do this practice and I live like you, that I'll probably be as calm and relaxed and as enlightened as you. But I just can't seem to do it." He goes, that's okay. Just go and suffer some more and come back. <laughs> so, yes, maybe you have to suffer. I mean. But how long did it take for you to rewind and then start thinking about re getting back into playing music? Then that just, uh, to be honest with you, I, 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 I left it. I dropped it and I said, maybe I'll never revisit it again. How scary was that prospect? Um you know, there's there's a, a headspace involved because you're gonna think, really, am I gonna reinvent again? You know, how many times can I get away with this? Right. You know, and um, tennis was now out of the question. Oh, tennis is long gone. <laughs> yeah, tennis is long gone. Hockey probably out of the question. Art, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe art. Maybe art. Yeah, maybe I could lock myself in a room and paint uh, in anonymity. No, I I just I just thought, okay, well, I have to do this because. Um, there's another old saying again too. Uh, if if I'm not for me, then who? Mm -hmm. And if not now, when? But if I'm only for me, what am I? So I started looking at that, and I started saying, yeah, if I if I don't take care of myself, who will? So I knew. Was I had it to clean completely up. your decision, or did somebody else come to you and say, you know, you really need to? Yeah, shit together. It was definitely my decision. There was one other soul that was in my environment who's a very in touch soul who hinted at, uh, at me uh, when I said to this soul, I said, I might need a week or two off or maybe a month. And um, we'll actually 
I'll give I'll give her gender away. She said, "You might need longer than that." <laughs> and, and 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 I was looking at her going, "And I don't think she means 2 months." <laughs> you know, she had that sort of uh perspicuity that and then I I it really cocked my head and I thought maybe, "Wow, okay, this might be a longer endeavor than I thought." So, I realized I had to take myself away from the the scene and the picture. At that point, is there any music in your life? Yeah, there's always music in my life. And there was always, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, and then, uh, you know, ironically, when you, you st- when you step back and, I, and people are coming, you mean you never play anymore? It's like, I play more now than I've ever played in my life. Okay, so you're still playing. So I play, I, I, I have to touch a guitar or a harmonica or something every day. Every are you day. still writing? And, and writing, yeah. You know, and different stuff. So, but more, it's been more kind of um, returning to a a, uh, a balance. You know, so if I could put that in, if I could massage that in this whole conversation somewhere, you know, there's four four major universal laws: law of attraction, law of intention, law of allowance, and the law of balance. I was off balance, right? Like majorly. I mean, I was. I knew the other the other um, universal laws and they were at work, but the balance was, there was, it was non-present. And, and when you're off balance, a lot could go wrong. Did you feel lost when you did this? Like, what was, what were you going through when you decided you're going to step back? Um, what was I going through when I decided? Yeah, I mean, um, finally that- decided, I'm going to get off the road, I'm not going to play in, a, in front of people for a while. What is your mind going through? That this it, is- it was. It was really. It was just going through. You got to get balance back. You got. You got to get. You got to get healthy again. You got to. Yeah. You got to start getting some rest. I mean, I was totally sleep deprived for like maybe fifteen years. I mean, I don't. You know, I know people. How how would anybody know that? Right. Um, when I was when I was shedding you know, the harmonica, um, like learn. You know, again, people say. You know, I love this one. You know, wow, you got a you got a gift. You know, you got a real talent. And I said. Well, <laughs> Well, I was working construction for 10 hours a day. Then I'd go back and I'd play in an attic for five hours. I don't remember there much being talent, talent in that room. I was, I was like throwing that harmonica against the wall going, man, get it together. Can you play something that sounds decent? You know, so I was, it was a lot of hard work. You know, they say it's uh, 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I remember there being, a, a, you know, like driven by a lot of hard work and, uh, and I, was, I was off balance because of that. I was trying to make two things happen at once. I was playing, paying the bills with uh, working and employment and to try to subsidize the idea of being an architect in getting this music off the ground. And it was because right. it was going to take some sort of resources, right? You needed to but resources. by that time, you had gotten to a point where you had established a certain name right I mean, people knew you and if you went to a place people would show up and see you now you're now thinking okay i'm going to stop that how long did you stop for okay so then there was there was another key thing here i'm I'm giving away all the secrets ladies and gentlemen (laughs) there's going to be no mystery to david rotundo anymore after this so okay so i'm 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 doing construction and music simultaneously right right then at some point, I was, you know, starting to make a few dollars playing music. 
and it was never the pursuit of that. I wanted to make a living, but I was never chasing, uh, you know, the dollar, so to speak. But right. I just, I, just, I, I said look, to myself, if I'm going to be a musician, I only want to take money from that, that art. Right. I do not want to have any safety net whatsoever. Either I'm going to make it or die. So I quit working construction. Mm -hmm. I said, now I either have to subsidize my life um, with the money I make from, from playing music or I'm dead. That was a pivotal, a pivotal decision for me. And it, and it, uh, it drove me to, uh, to, um, it drove me to other levels musically, I think, by making that decision, whether people realize it or not, whether I realize it or not. Um, people would often say, wow, you look like, uh, you know, you live for what you do. And it's like, well, because I do. Is <laughs> <laughs> if I don't do it, and if I don't do it to the best of my ability, then uh, maybe it won't be worth anything and uh, I'll have to pack it in. So I better put my money where my mouth is and do that. So I did that. Then when I did that, <clears throat> things were going, yeah, things were going well. I, I felt like I was making progress and things. But then um, it was such an endeavor. It was such a deep pool that I was very green to that I didn't know the ins and outs of and the sort of uh, the going-ons going behind the scenes in music and the, the politics and the games and the... And the, um, the extra stuff that you have to go through, the hoops and things that people might expect you to jump through and the extra, like your, your day never ends. You know, you could also do this press junket and you could also do that and you should show up to that gig and you should show up here and you should do this gig or you should also take that gig, you know, and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, like it just never ends. And you're, so that became a sort of bottomless pit. It's weird, eh? Because I presume that when we first met, that would have been a dream come true right like you know when you I... said i want to start my own band and make a name for myself ultimately it would be get to a point where you would have more gigs than you need or whatever right you're right michael i mean i remember saying to myself in my first guitar player i said all all i want us to do is be playing four nights a week maybe five then we've made it yeah that was my goal and then that happened <laughs> you know and um and it was uh it was good but uh maybe i you know, I was already off balance. I was already off balance. I well, I was... think it's a hard... I mean, I think in any field, I think it's difficult to find balance. Do you know what I mean? I, I Absolutely. Think Absolutely. To, to work hard. I mean, in, in any field, you have to work hard to get yes. to another level. But then to balance that with family or friends or, you know, whatever. Right. The, that Finding a balance. But I very much swallowed the stigma behind the sort of smoking, drinking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. entertainer or blues man you know I, I I was like wow that just suits me fine I could jump right into that suit of armor no problem then little did I realize oh yeah there is a time time uh, uh, that it's a problem yeah there there is there is an hourglass to this yeah. <laughs> you know and the hourglass moves much quicker than other hourglasses so you you walk away from music for a bit um and you're stepping back trying to figure, find balance. What happens then? Then I, um, I uh, very much just put myself in a, in a clean environment. I was uh, down in Mexico for a lot of the time. I, I lived out of the, the, the city. I lived in the country up north. Um, 
just off Georgian Bay. Right. Okay. And it was, uh, it was, you know, I, I sort of went to nature really is probably the way I'd describe it. I went into nature. I returned to nature. I was in a little small town in off of, uh, Georgian Bay, and then in Puerto Escondido, I'm in a little small town. Puerto Escondido is actually called is hidden port mm-hmm. in 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 Spanish. So you uh, went down there because there was a blues festival down there, right? I initially That's went how you there initially for, for there. blues, yeah, for a blues festival. But I, you know, it really uh, endeared itself to me. I really love the place, so I had an affinity for the place, and um, and just uh, the quality of life there is uh, can be very good if you if you choose it. So I went there and I just started trying to, uh, for back, lack of a better phrase, put Humpty Dumpty back together again. <laughs> How many years ago was this? This was like, I uh, started the, the real retreat about probably three years ago. You know, I was, I was kind of trying to balance it, you know, nine, you know, 2009, 10, 11, 12. I was trying to see if I could balance my way back into balance right. and keep both, both things going. And I realized it wasn't working too, too well. Maybe that's just my nature. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I, my temperament, I, I, I can't multitask. It's all, all or nothing. So I figured, okay, then I have to d- deliver all to, to my own uh, well-being. You know? And it wasn't because I, I didn't um, appreciate what I'd... Uh, built by accident or by design or the uh remuneration from the fans and friends and bandmates and all that I and mean, everybody was warriors they all kept showing up and and um they seemed to appreciate what i was doing and uh, that's worth its weight in gold and i and i love it but uh i think one of the main reasons i didn't uh, i wanted to do that is i didn't want to let myself down i didn't want to let them down i uh i wanted to raise my game I still would like to raise my game. Um, so now, is music part-time for you, or is it a full-time thing? It's part-time publicly, but it's, it's more full-time than ever. And, I, and I, again, I'll emphasize this. You know, like Again, when people see me on stage for two hours, they think maybe that's the, the nuts and bolts of, of and I, everything I do. Everything I do, every waking moment is looking at that stage. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Every waking moment is I want to make sure... I bring a conscientiousness to that stage, a respect to that stage for myself and for whoever's there. I don't want to let anybody down. And I certainly don't want to let myself down. If I let myself down, that's the worst thing that could happen. But then I'll in turn let down whoever shows up. So I'm trying to bring my best game to that stage. So how much are you gigging these days? Um, I'm, I'm, I seem to be, you know, like, for example, we were laughing about it this month, you know, like six, six gigs uh, this month. Um, uh-huh. Is that normal for you, or is it less than normal for you? Definitely less than normal. Okay. I would, so I would when you're do... in Mexico, you're gigging more. And there, I, I do a lot of um, a lot of makeshift gigs. Like I'll, I'll just just jump into action whenever I want because uh, you could do that there. Here, you need to have like three months' notice and posters and press junkets out there, and you know, this guy's going to be here in four months from now. You know what I mean? Uh, where I'm living, it's not like that. It's like, uh, how about tonight? Sounds good. All right. <laughs> And you're making a living doing this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, um, yeah. So is it difficult to come back here? Like, what's it like? What's the experience of coming back to Toronto like for you? Is this home? Is this, is this the road? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm almost, uh, I'm almost 
a stranger here now. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I live in a different, uh, you know, in a different mentality right now. Puerto Escondido is very much off the grid. That place in particular is almost like uh, Atlantis. I mean, it's like so off the grid. It's, uh, it's out of the world. You don't know what's going on in the world. You know, uh, Donald who? Good thing. Donald who? <laughs> My would be you guys a got thing. a new what? President. Um, so it, it's, it very much lends to, to being an artist and, and going, going within, so to speak. So when I come here, this, you know, traffic lights and traffic jams and construction signs and <laughs> lots of construction. Yeah. Signs. Yeah. And, and all the, the sort of logistics of, of being here, it's very, it's very, um, it's difficult for me. I, 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 I can't hide that. It's very difficult for me. Very challenging. Well, I can understand that. I mean, yeah. especially if you're in a really laid back lifestyle in a city of yeah. two traffic yeah. lights. I have issues with big cities these days, you know, on yeah. a philosophical side. I do have issues with them. You know, there's, there's a lot of blocked energy in big cities. Uh, and um, I, I, I see why that leads to, to stress and, and anxiety and, and diseases and stuff like that, because big cities are very congested, you know, and uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of blocked energy. And I, I don't see the wisdom in, in, in that, you know. But you have a lot of fans back here. But I have a lot of fans back here, and 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 uh, you know I was born here, and and um, and uh, you know I'm I'm still planning on returning. But uh, really, so it's not like you you think you so there is a plan that says you're coming back. Uh, I, I will definitely come back, you know, to play. I don't know if I'll come back here to live. I mean, right now I don't know where I'm living. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm living and where I'm going to live. But um, this is still a place that I'm very familiar with. I know I have. Um, a very uh, supportive uh, base here. I appreciate that. Um, People love you here, and I love them. And I, and I really, I really do. And I don't say that dismissively at all. I love it, and I and I wish <laughs> I wish that I could transport them to where I am. Maybe they <laughs> maybe they will follow. Maybe they will follow. You know, because um, re- really, the, I I come back here for my mother, my 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 you know immediate family, mm-hmm. brothers. And for that support uh, system here, because I know they they reach out to me. Fans reach out to me and say, we'd love to, you know, we, we miss you or something like this. And it means the world to me. So I always try to make sure I do a show here at least one or two or handful. And as long as they keep showing up, I'll, I'll keep trying to raise my game and try to, you know, be better. So what, what about other parts? Like like you, you used to tour with Enrico in Italy <clears throat> and yeah. you used to go to different parts of the world. Do you still do that or... Yeah, I, I, you know, ironically, um, you know, I've been to Russia and Estonia and I released a DVD there. And it was like right when I was thinking of packing it in, this guy from, from Russia and Estonia called me to do that, that, that tour. And I said, you cannot pay me enough to, to get me to do this. I'm done, Slavka. I'm retired. Forget it. I'm done with this thing. I've been beaten up. I'm Please, you have to come. Trust me. It'll be good to do that. I was like, oh, this never ends. It's like this is the Godfather all over again. Every time I want to go out, they drag me back. And, I'm like, and he, he just, I'll do anything for you. Please come. Trust me. You'll have a good time. You'll enjoy it. I said, okay, I'll do it. And I did it. And, uh, it was great. It was great. And uh, it opened up a total other, you know, uh, possibility there. So now I have a sort of fan base there. But I really uh, did need to uh, to take a break after that. So it was like quickly after that. It was like 2003, yeah, four. So at this point, where's the balance? I mean, have you found the balance? <clears throat> I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. But 
And do you have like future plans or how does that work? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. And I have to tell you, a lot of people don't. And I'm not sure if I do either. Right, right. So it's <laughs> the, not that, that yeah, the, unusual. The future plan is the no plan plan. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, you're 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 an intelligent guy who who does a lot of thinking. You're very analytical, and I just wonder at this phase, I, you know, you step back and said, "Okay, I'm going to take it easy. This is what I want to do." Um, is there like a, a timeline or a goal set with that, or is it just this is I'm still working on it, and we won't think about anything else? Yeah. The honestly, the the the, the plan is. Um is uh, still more balanced, more like I, 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 uh, I really have to achieve. There's things that I feel I have to achieve uh, personally to, again, to be able to put my best foot forward. And wherever that foot f forward leads to, uh, hopefully um, people will appreciate uh, wherever it leads to, whether it's back into music um, or uh, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know if I'd be able to throw something up in the air, like <laughs> pasta maker. I don't know. <laughs> you know? How about tequila? Yeah, <laughs> my own brand of tequila. Yeah, I, I I don't know, but I I I do know one thing. I mean, music is such a huge thing in my life. I mean, it it uh, it's such a huge part of my soul. I it's always been. It's always been a um, big part of my life, whether I knew it or not. I used to lock myself uh, in the basement of my first house when I was seven years old and listen to all my brother's albums like in the dark by myself. You know, Super Tramp and and uh, Led Zeppelin and uh, Genesis and these bands. And I sometimes I think, what am I doing in this basement here locked up? <laughs> is this strange? Here? Is this strange? And you know, maybe I should get out of the street and play some street hockey with the rest of the guys. But I'd, I'd love to do that. So I know music to me is, again, it's sacred ground. It's one of the most important things because it's... Well, to me, again, to get philosophical about that for two seconds, it's uh, music is invisible, you know? can't see music you feel it so if there is uh, any kind of way we can possibly get to another world maybe it is through music you know it's uh because that's the only way i can describe it almost everything else we can touch and see but you can't literally touch music or see it so mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's why it's so important to me as a as a sort of feeling and a conduit um Looking back, when you you know when you, you you set little goals as you as you were climbing up, and you said if we could do four gigs or five gigs a week, that would be great. That would be making it. Was there anything that you had as a musical goal that you still hope to achieve at this point? Hmm, that is a great question. I mean, and you know, because always you you just you know like who wouldn't want to write the next greatest song that everyone sings along to, right? Mm -hmm. Those those things are always in the back of your head. Who else wouldn't want to play a festival for a big, well, last year I played for 5,000 people, this year 10,000 people. So that just seems to just be uh, instant, uh, instant proof of growth, right. <laughs> you know? But is it really growth? You never know. Um, depends on how you feel. So to me, again, if, if I'm feeling good playing music and it feels good to me, sincerely, that to me is a success in quotation. So when I started playing music and I was making a living and I was feeding myself and I was employing some people and people showed up and people were showing up more and people were saying, wow, we actually enjoyed what you're doing. To me, I was like, this is success. Yeah, This is success. It doesn't matter if only 20 people uh, 
showed up to do that. That means 20 people. That they, If 20 people were there and 20 people said that, that's the 100%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's 100% I, that I scored on this, this test, you know? That to me was like, wow, this means a lot to me. If, if, I, can, if I can satisfy, if I can make everyone in the room feel happy and I felt happy, that to me is, was a successful uh, a gig. Well, I hope you have continued success in finding balance. I know it's a difficult thing, and I know that you've, you know, it hasn't been always easy for you, and, and it's probably been a bit of a struggle, but you've had some really amazing things happen to you. And from afar, I've really looked up to you, and, and you know, I just I got to ride on that journey with you in the beginning, and I just loved every minute of it. And it's nice to see that you're still going strong and you have this huge fan base. Oh, wow. And yourself. vice versa, Mako, again, because we, we started this, I see, like we were, I, I felt, uh, and I feel that in a positive way, we were both green when we started this. Mm-hmm. We were both kind of like wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, and like, wow, man, this is going to be great. You know, this is great. What a world. What a lifestyle, you know? Well, apparently it wasn't that great. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. And it, and it you know, and really, and it really was. It's, it's just, it's funny how the times, you know, they, they, they change, uh, like how cliche is that? <laughs> but but they should change. You know, they, I mean, I, I think yeah. that the journey that it's taken me and you and the things and places and experiences that we 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 were able to experience. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I look back and on the last seventeen years, and I'm amazed at the places I've been. And Absolutely. I've Again, you know, to see so many. I mean, in major cities, major countries, yeah. and to have that. You know, I always say that to whenever I give little workshops to to. Um, kids in countries and I say what is this and I hold up the harmonica and they say it's a harmonica and I say well what else can it be and I don't know well, it could be a magic wand it could be a magic carpet it could take you all over the world if you if you give it the love and intention that that uh, you know from your heart right so it could be your greatest vehicle um, so as your 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 uh, passion has been your vehicle and and uh, it's great thing so if if I can transition this I won't say end this interview in some way I could say this this quote that I recently come across is um, well the two quotes I'll say one the goal is freedom and the path is discipline uh, two is um, good judgment comes from experience experience comes from bad judgment <laughs> that was Dean Martin in the entertainment business well said thank you again for doing this I know my, you're a busy my man absolute so pleasure. I really appreciate you doing this thank you thank you